Since 2017, the Italian Wine Podcast has exploded and expects to hit 6 million listens by the end of July 2023. We're celebrating this success by recognizing those who have shared the journey with us and giving them the opportunity to contribute to the ongoing success of the shows. By buying a paper copy of the Italian Wine Unplugged 2.0 or making a donation to help the ongoing running costs, members of the international Italian wine community will be given the chance to nominate future guests and even enter a prize draw to have lunch with Stevie Kim and Professor Attilio Scienza. To find out more, visit us at italianwinepodcast.com. Chin chin! Welcome to Wine, Food and Travel with me, Mark Millen, on Italian Wine Podcast. Listen in as we journey to some of Italy's most beautiful places in the company of those who know them best, the families who grow grapes and make fabulous wines. Through their stories, we'll learn not just about their wines, but also about their ways of life, the local and regional foods and specialities that pair naturally with their wines, and the most beautiful places to visit. We have a wonderful journey of discovery ahead of us, and I hope you will join me. Welcome to Wine, Food and Travel with me, Mark Millen, on Italian Wine Podcast. Today we travel to the heart of Tuscany's Chianti Classico, to the ancient, now restored Borgo of Livernano, and to the Casal Vento wine estate, to meet my guest, owner, proprietor, and author, Gudrun Quillo. Thank you so much for being my guest today, Gudrun. How are you today? I'm doing absolutely wonderful. We have an amazing weather and the sun is out. And I'm very happy to be a part of your cast today. I'm looking forward to the questions and I hope I can answer them the proper way. Well, I'm sure you will because you have such a fascinating story. Now, Gudrun, first of all, for our listeners to gain a vivid impression of where you are. Can you describe the Borgo of Livernano, please? Tell us, you know, where you are, what the landscape is like in this beautiful part of the Chianti Classico. Okay, so Livernano is a medieval Borgo. It's 1,500 years old. Um, it sits in the rolling hills of Tuscany. We bought this in 2000. The last uh, uh, family actually left Livernano in 1953. And it was completely abandoned. And um, we decided to try to restore the hamlet. So we went to the archives in Siena. And uh, we were able to restore five of the buildings because we had to have adjacent uh, corners by law and the church of um, Livanano. And um, as you know, a lot of people don't know, Tuscan is still very remote in a sense of, uh, especially Chianti, because we have like 72% of wood and only 30, uh, 28% is um, actually inhabited with uh, wine groves, olive trees, and um, small little houses that um, a lot of people, a lot of foreigners actually came and restored them, which is a positive thing for us, for Chianti, I believe. Well, that sounds such such a beautiful place, Gudrun. So I'm picturing this medieval borgo, as you say, um, more than a thousand years old, that had been abandoned, completely abandoned, as happened, as you say, across Tuscany when the mezzadria finished and people moved to work in cities. And you came across this this completely abandoned borgo, and and you and your husband spent a long time restoring it. Is that right? 
Yes, it took uh, the completion actually took 23 years. Oh my goodness! Wow. Casalento, yes. I mean, we were very much inclined of uh, using local masons, and um, the facility really looks as it was, you know, 1,500 years old, but with modern amenities. And um, we now host, you know, guests. It's only for guests. We have a, a chef on the property. And um, our wineries are organic. So also, um, Livanana has to serve organic foods. On Casalento, we have uh, two acres of uh, vegetable gardens and uh, truffle trees. So everything is like we are completely self-contained, except you know, poetry and things like that that we have to get. Sure, sure. It sounds absolutely amazing. Now, Gudrun, I'm curious. Tell me your own story. You didn't ever expect. Um, to necessarily be living in Tuscany and running a wine estate and a and a and a hospitality business as you're doing now. Tell me your background and how how all of this happened. Well, so I married my husband some 25 years ago. He was the firstborn of Italian immigrants um, in the Bronx, and so very poor when he grew up. He was the second youngest of seven children, and actually got his first pair of shoes when he went to the Navy. And he always promised himself he would make it from the wreck to the riches. He would go and uh, buy himself a property in Italy. His family came from Naples and Benevento. And our initial idea was actually to buy something in Capri. And unfortunately, the deal did not go through. And um, Bob made his money in the car industry, was one of the largest Toyota dealers, and uh, was the first one who had the first Lexus dealership in the States. And also many other dealerships. And Lee Iacocca was his friend. And they came to visit him in Tuscany and fell in love with the area. And um, we bought a house in the heart of Chianti um, very fast in one week. And um, we had no idea that the property came with Chianti classical rights. We found that out um, six months into the process of restoring our home here. And um, at that time, we were still able to sell the rights to different um, estates, but then it would not, you would not be able to later on make or, you know, build a winery and uh, vineyards. And um, so we decided that we're going to go and make our own wines and our own vineyards. And we started in 1997 when we purchased Casal Ventor. In 2000, the excavation work was done and the first plants were planted. In 2004 was our first vintage. And through the process, um, we decided that we would like to have something else that is adjacent and Livanano was coming up for sale. And we took that opportunity and bought Livanano. So Livanano and Casaland are actually adjacent to each other. But we cannot go directly to it, so you have to drive around one mountain to enter the second mountain to Livanano. Oh, I see. So they're actually separate estates. But yes. I, I know th- I know that area around Rade and Chianti, and mm-hmm. the hills are very steep, and you do have to go a long way sometimes to go very, very close to somewhere very close. Um, but an absolutely beautiful an area, and of course, an area that uh, is a source of some of um, the greatest Chianti Classico wines that are produced. Yes, absolutely now, because of the climate changes, you know, the Chianti Classico is uh, basically from 200 meters to 650 meters. So Casalente is one of the highest properties with 650 meters, 
and Livanano is uh, 450 to 500 meters high. And as you said before, yes, most of the, the areas, the hamlets, are really very far apart. And um, when you go to Casalven, to Livanano, you actually have to ride for six kilometers on a Strada Bianca on an unpaved road that connects Rada to Siena. And um, customers are always like, oh my God, I hope they made the right decision. And then when they arrive, they have a saying there by Astra at Astra. It's a Latin phrase that says, with the difficulties to the stars. And uh -huh. when they come up the hill and the gate opens up and they have the roads going up the hill and the cypress trees following you up there to the top of the mountain. And then you enter the hamlet. It's just like you forget every worries and you're just happy to be there. And oh, the funny gosh. thing is that most of our customers, when they make the reservations, they always tell the receptionist what they can do around the area, what place they should visit. But when they arrive in, in Livanano, they don't want to leave. We have an amazing chef there and a great team um, that takes care of the customers. And they are, they're going back in time. You know, they forget the hectic of their daily lives and just enjoy themselves at the pool or take some poesy walks around um, Livanano sees the day. It sounds absolutely idyllic. And also, um, as you mentioned, climate change, I'm sure that altitude also helps keep things a little bit cooler in these hot summers that we've had in recent years. Absolutely, absolutely, especially in Casalvento. Casalvento then was the, was the first property that you and, and your husband bought, is that correct? That's and correct. You be, and you began then really very early on into the project to make your own wines. And you're making an yeah. extensive range of wines. You're making Chianti Classico, Chianti Classico Reserva, Chianti Classico Gran Selezione, and also some super Tuscan wines. Tell us about your wines. And did you did you ever envisage being a winemaker? And is this really a dream? No, no. We, you know, we hired an analogist and agronomist, and with them together, the process was so intriguing of the planting part, choosing the right rootstocks and then seeing them growing and they're right in front of my house. The cover of the book actually is the view of my, of my house. And um, I, I was much younger than my husband and um, wine was always his passion. He was with the Chandra de Sua, he was the Bayi on the East Coast of, of the United States and in the Caribbeans which is one of the oldest gourmet societies in the world. And um, then later on, I was just asking Mrs. Bob, you know, I really would like to be much more involved and it also will give me something to do. And with that said, I worked with, with the agronomist, with the analogist together. And my husband's saying was always in his day of age, he doesn't buy green bananas anymore. Everything has to be perfect. So we really put a, a, a lot of effort time, expertise um, into the wineries, into our vineyards. And, you know, you have to blend 80% Sanchevese because it's the minimum of amount that they have to have um, for a Chianti Classico because you have to go after the rules of the Chianti Classico Consortium. And then 20% you are able to use grapes that you have on your property growing. So Casalvento has, as I said, Sanchevese. We have Cabernet, we have Malone. And we also have alacante. So this grape we use for um, just to enhance the color because of being organic. And Livanano is uh, 
Cabellot, uh, Melot, Sangiovese, and also we have a white wine, so we have planted um, Chardonnay, Sauvignon Blanc, and Gewitz Germina. Well, it's quite an extensive um, range of grape varieties and, and, and an impressive uh, selection of wines that you're making. Yes, and, and quite honestly, the first vintage, 2004, we went um, to the Gambo Rosso and to El Boro to, you know, submit our wines. And when they were tasting our wines, they did not believe that the wine was actually made in Tuscany. So they told us to come back next year again. And uh, with the same product, and it did. And then from that moment on, our radix succeeded in everything that we ever thought. I mean, we are always over 90%. Um, the Grand Selection from Lebanon, the first vintage that we made, was chosen as best wine of Grand Selection of Tuscany. And um, we decided that we only make the wine if the year is good. If the year is not good, we don't make the wine. We send the juice up to Modena and they make balsamic vinegar for us. That we okay. use at the hotel. Yeah. Uh, the Gran Selezione, of course, being the top of the Chianti Classico pyramid uh, for wines from a single estate uh, of the very, very highest quality, longer aging discipline as well. So yes. uh, that's a real achievement. Now, on top of the Casalvento winery, you restored the Borgo di Livernano, as you said, which is now a hospitality complex which we'll talk about in a minute. But I guess all of this, the the learning about wine, making wine, restoring the Borgo, all of this was grist to the mill for you as a writer. Did you always want to be a writer? Did you have the intention of writing a novel out of your experiences? I am a dreamer. And um, I have so many things that always go through my head. And um, I write every single day but not a novel. I write short stories. Um, I write love stories or things for my friends when they have anniversaries and things like that. But um, writing um, a book came um, came to it because there's a sad part to this whole thing. My husband became very ill and um, he was diagnosed in, in a long time ago with dementia and then it turned into Alzheimer's. And then he had Parkinson's disease. So when people know that your spouse is ill, and especially people who know who are who are in my situation, it is very difficult because those people become different people, and um, they don't know themselves anymore. So he became in a part of uh, early on where he was not allowing people in the house, and being a caretaker and. Being there 24-7, um, I, I honestly didn't know what to do with my time. And I was talking to my mother. And my mother said, good one, why don't you just go and write a novel? So I was like, this is crazy. She says, you are good, you know. And I come from a family that has very much artistic background. I also have um, a grandmother who was a novelist, um, but more in the Austrian part, you know, in, in, in that area. Um and so I started to create this character, um, Erica, and um, living in New York, you know, having the escalates of the high society, thinking she has everything. And then um, just before she is getting married, she finds out that um, she has had relatives in Italy and that she inherited properties. And then she had to come to Italy herself. And when she arrives, you know, everything, she did not could not imagine what 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 uh, or had no expectations and then she came and saw 
Are you enjoying this podcast? Don't forget to visit our YouTube channel, Mama Jumbo Shrimp, for fascinating videos covering Stevie Kim and her travels across Italy and beyond, meeting winemakers, eating local foods, and taking in the scenery. Now, back to the show. The kaleidoscope of all of the different colors and the people friendly and and then she found out it was her grandfather. And um, there was a stimulation in the will that she had to stay there for five months to live the life of Italy and to learn about the history, to learn of what her father, her grandfather um, had missed out and her, her grandfather created. And um, so long and behold, she decided to stay there and became a completely different person. And I think this is when I realized when I was writing that after the 10th um, chapter, that I was not writing in, in the way of Eric anymore, that I became Erica. And I put my um, my uh, experiences in. Before I met my husband, I didn't even know how to boil an egg. And now I love to cook. I learned to cook. I learned um, to smell the roses, to wake up in the morning, to take this area in, to breathe and and. We have so many different um, places in in 20 minutes riding in the car and the the scenery changes. And um, it is just, for me, breathtaking. It's really, truly a place where a lot of people can connect um, if they, you know, time goes by so fast these days and you don't even know where the week went when Friday arrives. And here, I believe how it is with me, what um, Italy gives me, I can smell the roses and I appreciate the day. And I love waking up and I, all of my employees, we are a V team, not an I team. We create everything together. And for me, this is my family. Well, that's, that's a beautiful story to hear. I'm very sorry to hear the sad, the very sad story story of your husband uh, but out yeah. of out of that sadness you were able to create something very positive and that love of an excitement of being in Italy comes through in your book and that 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 discovery of a new world where everything was different where you're smelling things tasting things just I'll just read a very tiny snippet from okay. the book Doris poured a glass of wine for Erica once she had made herself comfortable on the patio and invited Doris to join her for the meal. Doris, what wine is this? she asked. I brought up one of Signor Germoglio's favorites, Janus 2007. Erica swirled the glass and held it up to the light. The wine was a deep red color with the aroma of blackcurrant, a hint of wood, blackberry, and yes, that grassy, earthy smell. Tuscany is in this glass, thought Erica. How wonderful it must be to go home and open a bottle of our wine and have the genie of Tuscany come out of the bottle. Yeah. So that's very much what you, you yourself feel, what your character feels. But above all, what you felt when you were, when you came to Casalvento and, and also when you wrote the novel. Yeah, I, I mean, it's everything that all of the different emotions that we have every single day because not not each day is the same and there is a saying um, from Hans Christian Andersen 
It says, living, a butterfly once said, living alone is not enough. One must have freedom, sunshine, and a little bit of flower. And um, thus, Camille gave me that. And it did not matter how sad I was or, or, or how happy I was. You know, I'm like this, this house, this, this place, the people around me, they give me freedom and peace. It sounds like you've really created something very special and put together a community um, that supports it. Absolutely. All of our employees have been with us from the beginning. Some of them came later, but none of them ever you know, left. And we have now a whole family living there and the whole family is working. Robbie is now 11 years old and we named him after my husband. Domenico is now 27 and uh, Donato and Pasquale, Deborah, which is now Doris, has been with me for 23 years. It's like a mother and a sister at the same time. And all the workers in Vivanano, the same thing. We are all together. We think together. We create our labels together. We taste our wines together. So now we don't even have an agronomist or an allergist anymore. Everything is done in-house. And um, I, for me, my vision was that I wanted to make or create a wine that when you really open the bottle, that it's not over oak, that you know where the wine is coming from. We are all sitting on the Alvarez's stone, so it's fresh, the minerals that are there. And um, the grapes have such deep roots, and we don't irrigate. And they have to work so hard throughout the year to make grapes. And then us, us later, it's our job to handpick them and bring them into the wine cellar and um, then goes into the next step, the next phase with the fermentation and the malectic. And, um, and so we, we have the infra, the, um, the clay, we have the concrete. So we're going really back into the old ways of how um, Italy or Tuscany was making the wines. And as a lot of people know, Tuscany was known for the straw bottle, for the inexpensive wine. But we became so sophisticated here and um, experienced it with, with new winemaking uh, um, ways of making wine. And that's where the IGT, the Super Tuscan, was created because the winemaker was able to express his creativity and his art, and he, put, he can put this in a bottle of wine. Yes, that's exactly right. That story of the evolution of Chianti, as you say, mm -hmm. from that easy-drinking wine in the straw-covered fiasco to yes. some of the greatest wines in the world now and some of those greatest wines coming from that particular corner where you are yeah now Gudrun for our listeners who like to visit and travel uh Livernano is a special place to come and actually stay you gave a, a little picture of some of the things they can do but tell us what you have for hospitality in the Borgo what uh, what accommodation um, and what people can do if they come visit you. Okay, so Livonano only has 12 suites, but can sleep um, 24 to 30 people. And um, everything is done inside with antiques. Um, what people usually do when they come, you know, they receive the welcome drink, they check in. Um, as I said before, you know, they can walk around uh, the, with the boys' sea walks. Sometimes we have music. Um, different stations where people can listen to it, enjoy the glass of wine and just enjoy the scenery and the patchwork, the kaleidoscope. 
that's the different colors that Tuscany gives us because we are on top of the hill. So we have like the surroundings, Any anywhere you look, you have something special that you see. Then we have wine tours, we do cooking classes. Um, sometimes we have uh, painting classes. There are pottery places around where people can go and um, and experience how to make um, you know potteries. We have um, opera playing two times a year um, in in Livanano, so where we completely um, transform the piazza where the people are, and uh, it's the center of of where the houses are around. And then we include the homes, the windows, and things, and everything. And when they start singing, you know, they, they, they have the aria coming out in one window. And then, you know, they continue on from the next, they come down. And it's just a very romantic, very um, tranquil atmosphere that you have. And it becomes very... Um, well, it sounds sensitive. magical. It is. And, and men who don't think that they cry at the end, they cry because they're so taken by it. And um, yeah, and then, you know, we have Siena nearby which is a beautiful ancient uh, um, Roman city. We have Florence to visit with the Pizios, and all of this is also in my book. So it gives you a little bit, I wanted to have in the book, a bit of the winemaking, a bit of Florence, a bit of the area, the trees, the, um, the flowers, the different grapes that are being grown. Um, I have also recipes that are included at the end. And even with the winemaking part, it's not like a chewing gum that it makes you tired just reading it. It's very short, very simple, but it's something like when, when people um, want to go and travel to Tuscany, I think this is a book that is very well recommended to read. And I could not, and never in my mind, never even entered that I would immediately after the release on the 6th of June, become a bestseller in Italian literature in the category. And the following publications became the new releases on Amazon in the categories of including romance literature and fiction, general Italy, travel guides, single woman's fiction, small town, and world fiction, women's adventure, adventure fiction, historical Italian fiction, and travel adventure fiction. And all in bestsellers, I was like, this is, this is unreal. Amazing. Amazing. You know, so what what I would say, Gudrun, for our listeners, it, is yeah. that there, there are two ways to visit Livernano. They can actually come and stay with you and do all those wonderful things, or they can um, buy and read your book. Tell us who publishes it and where they can get it. Okay, I was, I mean, I really am for, for a first-time novelist sending the book in. I was taken in immediately by uh, Greenleaf Publishing House. And they are a hybrid company, and it's amazing how they work and what the network they have. Um, very easy to work with them. Book came out on time, um, actually a month earlier, because there was very little things that needed to be done with the editing part. Um, so I guess I have my own style of writing, which is, is a little bit of a new breeze, I was told. And um, it's, um, yeah, and it's available on Amazon. And available on any bookstores. If it's not there, you can ask for it and they will ship it to you or order it for you. Um, you can go to goodroomcrillo.com to order the book. And of course, Livanano, you just um, put in www.livanano, L I V E R N A N O.it. 
It takes you immediately to the website, shows you the rooms, the wines that we make, gives you the story and the background of Livanano. And the girl, Adriano, who does the, um, the bookings for the customers is amazing. So, yeah, it's a very, very easy way. And okay. most people fly into Florence and then rent the car and drive out and see the countryside. Another airport to go in is um, Rome. And we are two and a half hours driving from Rome. Okay. Well, it's a it's a beautiful area. I certainly know that. And a beautiful drive either way. Yes. Adrian, you've, de- you've described a project that for many is an absolute dream. I know there has been deep sadness. Um, but the restoration of the Borgo, the making of your own minds, and writing a novel, you have been living a dream, even if, as I say, there were there were perhaps elements of nightmare through the sadness. I'd just like to congratulate you for everything you've achieved, for creating somewhere that sounds so personal and special, and also congratulate you for the book, which I've enjoyed. Thank you. And I'm working on my second one. So I'm really excited. I'm I'm in the story is you know, Erica will continue with again with some more intrigues, you know, jealousy of neighboring estates when we come out with good wines. And um it's um yeah, it's a it's a dream come true for me. Um I enjoy it, I love it, and um I I found a new passion in life and I guess the wishful thinking and I'm telling every to everybody. Everything is possible in life. You just have to believe in it and you have to believe in yourself. Never forget to say thank you. Embrace the people who work for you and um, give them back what they give you and you create an incredible environment for yourself and it makes you happy as well. Well, that's a very good thoughts to to end our talk on. Gudrun, I've really enjoyed meeting you, talking to you, and I hope we can meet uh, in person one day. I would love to visit Livranano myself. But uh, in the meantime, uh, good luck with this growing season. Good luck with your writing. And I hope you have a great day and a great summer, and we'll meet soon. Mark, thank you so much for having me. And it was amazing also to hear somebody else reading a part of my book. So thank you for that. It made me teary up. Oh, and, it was a pleasure for me. And please um, come to Livanauna anytime we are here. I'm here during the summer, the winter, of course. I have to go back to the United States. And um, yes, so thank you so much for having me on this interview. Thank you. I did too. Bye. Bye. Listen to the wherever you get your podcasts. We're on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Himalaya FM, and more. Don't forget to subscribe and rate the show. If you enjoy listening, please consider donating through italianwinepodcast.com. Any amount helps cover equipment, production, and publication costs. Until next time, chi-chi.